mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec Hester, joined today by my brother Lucas. But, dude, how do I know if it's the real you? Ah, well, I could tell you it was the real me, but it would only make it seem more like I was a clone if I did, which I'm not. Well, it's interesting because I need to start thinking about what clone Lucas would do, because as we've learned in the Gravity Falls universe, the clones are basically exact replicas. They don't lose much. So the way that a clone would behave is the same way that you would behave. So that's a very Lucas thing to say. And by that logic, you're just as likely to be a clone as you are to be yourself. And what am I supposed to do with that information? I don't know if you killed seven clones of me. Is it the same as killing me? I think that's a good question, too. Well, just to be safe, I'm going to use water. Uh, just as Cooper did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't want to take any chances on going any harder than that. Hello, everybody. So we are here to talk today, if you haven't already picked up the hint, about a clone episode of Gravity Falls. The Clone Wars. It's not actually called that. That's but so I, silly. I thought I'd embellish. That, no, no. Bad. Uh, bad. Bad? Star, Star Wars is out, Alec. That's old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fine. Well, it's actually called Double Dipper, which I actually think is a solid title. I will say, when I immediately saw that we were going to watch this episode, I remembered it as another one of those Wendy chasing episodes, and I was kind of like, ugh. And I I just don't like these. But, you know, just like the episode before this, the manliness one, by the end of the episode, I don't end up feeling that way. Even if it's not one of my favorite Gravity Falls episodes, I still end up liking it. So I'm excited it's to talk not. about this one today. So, okay, I think I'm higher on this one than you because I compare okay. it to episode five in the sense that it's a Dipper Wendy episode, which made me nervous going in, and I ended up thinking it was great. And it sort of made me think is it possible that the Dipper Wendy plot, as much as we kind of hate it, fosters no. good You're episodes? Wrong. Nope, he's it's- wrong. No, it's possible. Don't like, let Alec brainwash like you, audience. Part. No, it's I bad. Think we don't is... like it. <laughs> I, think this, I think this is going to be interesting <laughs> to unpack. Um, I loved oh. this. Okay, I, I now I think this is interesting to unpack. Because now I think that we're going to have uh, a debate. Well, so that's fun. <laughs> I, I think that this episode holds up really well on a rewatch. There's a lot of things about it that made me excited to revisit as somebody that knows what happens already. And yeah. that is part of where the excitement comes in for me. I can the, see new were... viewers maybe not having it be one of their top episodes, but I really liked revisiting it. Yeah, th- there are a lot of things about it that I liked. It did surprise me with how much I ended up liking it versus my expectations going into it as well. So, cool. uh... well, I think that we should start going through it. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that as we go, you'll find out that you maybe liked it even more than you thought you did. We've had that happen before. Yeah. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll be more down, it, you know, and it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, off the bat, we get where the plot is headed, and that is Grunkle Stan trying to set up a party for kids and teenagers in Gravity Falls so that they can come spend money at the shack. As he says, I'll smother them with fun. Which is hysterical and one of my favorite quotes of the episode right off the bat, I want to add. Because then they're like, well, maybe kids don't come to the Mystery Shack because you say things like that. And that was just a hilariously delivered retort. Um, But I'd also like to point out, I like that you're like, so we already get into the plot of how the episode's going to go. That is not actually what I wrote down. What I wrote down was silly barfing string. That's true. (laughs) Is that really even relevant? I guess it's important because it sets the tone a little bit. It was funny. That was one of my favorite parts. It was so charming. 
You know? Really? And, and yeah, because the end part where Wendy's like, guys, come on, something really serious is going on. Blah, and there's more silly string. I don't know. That got me. I, 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 that one got me. As the one who takes way more notes than I should, I left that part out completely because it meant nothing to me. I think that's very funny wow. that it stood out for you. I did. I liked it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it goes to show that we have different interests, and um, I think that makes it fun. Yes. But in this cold open, we do get the, uh, you know, the introduction of the plot, Grimplestan throwing this party. And then we also find this weird copy machine that Dipper accidentally puts his arm on to get copied, and it turns out that it copies organic material into life paper into it's like a really good 3d printer <laughs> yeah i guess a 4d printer as you might say right uh, <laughs> no it's still three to... dimensions still three dimensions uh, wait is so isn't the whole idea behind four oh wait no you're right you're right what would 4d even be i think that's like a misnomer that people use for theme park attractions but it's not even a real thing well, most people, when they're talking about dimensions, they really just have no idea what they're talking about. Because there's, like, dimensions in physics. There's dimensions of, like, planes of consciousness. There's, like, different ways that you can define dimension, but people don't. So they just don't know what they're talking about. So the copy machine essentially brings Dipper's arm into a new dimension. <laughs> I'm just trolling. I don't mean that. I, I love doing this show with you. I... <laughs> Lucas with the philosophy again. Thank you for explaining dimensions better than I could understand. Was that um, funny to anyone else but me? I thought that was okay. <laughs> Alec, continue with the plot of this episode. So the reason that we are going to the copy machine is because Ruggle Stan is trying to uh, get the kids to print flyers for him that say free question mark. So, you know, they're, they're basically just trying to help their grunkle out. And to Lucas's point, this arm comes to life. Dipper realizes that this copy machine can copy human beings. And that's wild. So that sort of, you know, probably puts the thought in his head. But, but he moves away from it for the time being. And we get back to Grunkle Stan giving orders where he, he decides which of his staff and nieces and nephews are going to run the different parts of this event that he's hosting. Seuss, because he works for free, gets to be the DJ. The original plan is for Mabel and Wendy to run the ticket stand together, but Dipper decides he's going to volunteer to take Mabel's place because he wants to spend the night with Wendy. Cringe. Um, Super cringe. Super. Yeah, it, it is cringe. Uh, and, uh, you know, Grunkle Stan agrees to it and it goes right over his head what Dipper's Which is also is. cringe. You know, for me, because, you know, I wrote this down. The thing for me isn't necessarily just that there's a kid crush on an older person, because that's a pretty, like, relatable thing that you could do well. It's yeah. the fact, it's how everyone else in the story reacts to it. Wendy's weird about it, Mabel's weird, like, everyone's kind of weird about it externally, and that's why I feel weird about it. You know what I mean? No! I love that everybody is weird about it. I think that <sighs> it, it doesn't need to be that human, because... What we forget sometimes, this is still a cartoon. I like characters with different types of motivations and different reactions to things. But I do feel like all of the reactions are in character for who these people are. Like, regardless of how cringy it is, it all makes sense to me. I see your point for that, but that doesn't make me like watching it. Because I still think it's cringy to see a 12-year-old hit on a 15-year-old. <laughs> okay, no, I get that. Uh, I but, can't get over that. I, I just can't. I don't know if that's just me, but yeah. <laughs> We talk a lot about how you will really like an artistic side to something rather gruesome, we might say. And I just can't stand watching it, regardless of the creative intent. 
So we're kind of flipping scripts here a little bit. It's just well, the type of I don't, concept I don't, that we like is different. I'm not going to go ahead and fully admit that there's any brilliant artistic intent to the Dipper crush on Wendy, though. I can understand that, but I think <laughs> I that... think it's a little different. I think Saving Private Ryan Gruesome and Little Boy Crushes are a little different caliber, you know? Uh, fine, fine, fine. But <laughs> I still don't deny that these are in-character things to happen, and it doesn't bother me. You know, we've all been kids before. These awkward things happen. It's fine. Yeah, and I don't like thinking about those times for reasons. <laughs> sure, but Cringe <laughs> does set up the story in an interesting way. And it does. It demonstrates why Dipper is willing to go as far as he does to some degree and why the other people in this equation are kind of enabling it in a way that they're not even really trying to. Yes. Okay, good. No, we're on the same page here. So anyway, we're in Mabel and Dipper's bedroom. Uh, Mabel's just making fun of Dipper for, you know, having this crush. But he cannot be deterred because he has devised a plan for his perfect night with Wendy. Which is terrible. Which is hilarious. And actually, it also made me think of you. Because I'm like, oh, Alex a planner. He might relate to this. Did you, did you relate to this? Did you make a note about it? Or was it just me? Yeah, I wrote, Dipper's very me. I called it. Let's go. Yeah, no, so... so... <laughs> go ahead. I'm not going to say that I would go this hard for this specific... <laughs> case or that i ever did anything remotely similar to this as a child i'm not going there i, I don't am def- i don't i don't think you'd make a plan this complicated for something like that no i do, i i especially not as an adult who knows better right but as a 12 year old i don't know maybe it's more though for me that plans are a way to get excited about things not to be paranoid yeah. about them like dipper tends to do but actually i would say though that that is his original intention. It just drives him crazy. Actually, okay, maybe that is relatable. Yeah, I, I was gonna, I was, thank you for, uh, I didn't have to comment on that now. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, Dipper's got a 20-step checklist. Uh, Mabel's suggestion, why don't you just talk to her like a normal person? But, to be fair, Lucas, that is number nine on the checklist. To be fair, you know, okay, so I go back, Mabel is almost the only person that brings some sense of sanity into this, like, debate for Dipper, because I think Mabel is at least kind of like, dude, like, you know, maybe not, but I mean, I guess follow your heart, and you know what, I guess that's what I'd say too, if I was like, you know, if I was talking to somebody who was in a situation like that, I probably would, I wouldn't want to crush their dreams, I guess, you know, I guess, I, that's, that's a, that's a point to be yeah. appreciated, I suppose. No, I think Mabel approaches this in a pretty human way, considering she was really not being cool to him a couple episodes ago with the whole situation. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. I think she's way cooler in this episode. I don't know about everyone else, but uh, but but we'll 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 get we'll get more into that. So we get a great montage of Dipper imagining his dream night with Wendy. They're all dressed up, and he's super tall. And this is so extra and hilarious to me. I did write for the dream sequence. Dipper is tall, and that's really funny. And, like, the dream sequence did make me laugh really hard. But it's still kind, even though I was laughing, it's still kind of cringe. Just a little, you, can you feel it? Can you feel just speci- just especially that part? The reason it's cringe is because he is envisioning himself with her as being older, because I think he realizes that it's weird for, you know, him to be a little kid and into this person and it's as we talk through it i'm like yeah the, the whole situation it's, is it's, very weird and very yeah. cringy and it's true listen dipper 
I was the shortest kid in class up until like the ninth grade. And Same. I ended up being taller than most people in my life. Nah, I did um, not end up being taller than everyone. I, I got like taller. The same height. You're taller than I am. Barely, like by an inch. Yeah. Is so most people in your life is just Alec. Well, no, but like I'm like the average height, and you're an inch higher than the average male height. Wow. That makes a difference. I didn't realize that there was that much of a discrepancy between the two. Alec, I've been thinking about this my whole life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I made all of well, that up. I don't know if any of that's uh, true. I, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you were harboring this sibling resentment of me being <laughs> one inch taller. But let's uh, let's get to the disco party. Stan's night has started and tons of turnout. The event is Dude, actually going really well. Best thing about this episode, I'm not joking when I say this, is the outfits. For real, the designs for Grunkle Stan and Mabel's outfits are 10 out of 10. And it makes me love this episode because I love seeing characters wearing different outfits in shows that I love. Especially when it really accentuates their character like it does in this episode. Oh, I that's a great it. take. Yeah, it gives yeah, you, yeah. It gives you a sense of what of the time period Grunkle stands from and a sense for his, like, you know, personality, his party personality, which comes out a little bit here. And then you get Mabel with her, like, 80s-styled outfit and her whole, like, personality just flowers in this episode, dude. I love it. I love it. Ever, from the moment the party starts is when I start really getting into this episode. Yeah, I feel that. Because um, it's a cool stage that they set. And Stan, in character, says that leaving is a $15 exit charge. Okay, I'm sorry. I actually have a funny story of where I did that to somebody, too, when I was volunteering at a festival. <laughs> what?! volunteering yeah I, I didn't charge them money i will say that but my friend and i were volunteering at this festival and we were just kind of like goofing around and hanging out and as people started leaving he started turning to him and being like oh wait do you have your exit pass you need your exit pass before you can leave and you know people of <laughs> in different mindsets would, some people would be like yeah haha buddy whatever and like walk by some people would be actively pissed and some people would be like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i forgot my exit pass I'll go back in there and get it right now. And they would turn back and walk into the venue. And we'd have to like have this moment of conflict where we decided, are we actually going to like make them like go lost in this festival for an exit pass? Or are we just going to, and then we, we didn't let them do that. We, we stopped them, but sorry. That's my little story of also trolling like Grunkle Stan onto your regular programming. Confirmation. Lucas is still 12 years old. Thanks. <laughs> so, Yes, $15 exit charge when these friends realize that they're trapped in this place because they only have 13, which is terrifying to them and very, very funny. Maybe that's, you know, relatable to you and your antics. Um, <laughs> but outside, Wendy and Dipper are selling tickets. Uh, Dipper keeps referring to his checklist and overthinking everything. It is a very awkward thing to watch him try to wrestle with when he's got opportunities to just have a conversation but he keeps deferring back to the checklist because it's got to be the exact plan that he envisioned. Again, hyperbolic, but relatable to me as somebody who is so obsessed with sticking to a plan, even when I feel like it might be better to just break from it and approach things more organically, you know? Yes, I do. That's lovely. A lovely day. No, I enjoyed watching this too. I, I'm not going to say that I actually don't do this to to some degree as well because I hyper obsess in a different way. You know, sure. maybe not so much with planning, but I definitely have a tendency to hyper obsess over a thing that I get into. 
Um, and I did see myself relating in that way as well. But what I will say is I'm not as interested in Dipper's plotline as, Ma- as in Mabel's in this episode, because what is happening in the meantime, also during this, is that she meets what I wrote was Bimo and Grenda. <laughs> because oh, wait, what is that's Bimo? Bimo? What is Bimo? Get out of my cartoon chat, Alec. Bimo from Adventure it? Time. Adventure Time. Ah, I said it. Man, I hope the recording proves that I said it at the same time, and it's okay. not going to like have a little lag. But I, I remembered it's the little phone thing, the cell phone thingy person. Oh my lord! You you right? need an ed- you need an education, my friend. Um, but yes, you, I need yes. an adventurecation. Yes, you do. We need we. You know what you need, man? You are overdue some for some adventure time. But <laughs> anywho, uh, that person is the same voice actor as Bimo, or voice actress, is what I mean. Wow, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I don't remember their name because I just, like, I'm not joking you. I know Grenda, and then I know the other one's name is Bimo in my head. Um, Gotcha. So I just know that it's the same voice actress as Bimo, and I love those characters. I love that we get to see them introduced in this episode, and we also see Pacifica introduced immediately after. And I forgot that all of these key characters are introduced in this episode in a B-plot, and I thought that was really interesting because they're so important. Yeah, I remember watching this for the first time and not realizing that any of these people were going to make a difference. But that's what I mean when I said um, I really enjoyed rewatching this because yeah, it felt like, oh my gosh, these characters, they're showing up right now. Um, and it's true, all three of them Grenda, Candy, who, by the way, is voiced by Nikki Yang, as you um, Thank refer you. to. Uh, and then Pacifica Northwest. What a great name uh, for them being in Oregon. As someone who lives in the Pacific Northwest and is super elitist about it, I love Pacifica. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Pacifica's general West Coast vibes. You know, we've lived in California and you've lived in Oregon. I, I, Dude, she she's like some California vibes more yeah, so, to be honest. Yeah, she's like a Southern Californian that moved up to Oregon, you know? Yeah, you've interacted with plenty of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh I love Grenda and Candy. I love this introduction because, yeah, Mabel is just meeting these two random kids at this party at the time. And I guess, in a way, we're spoiling the fact that these will be friends that stick around. Grenda's got an iguana on her shoulder. Candy has forks attached to her fingers. They're both weirdos. And Mabel just says, I found my people. I really love that because it it does remind me of moments where I feel like I've found people in my life that are my people and you know we're part of the same type of vibe and it clicks in such a serendipitous way and i love that for her especially someone like mabel who carries herself with so much confidence but continues to be weird regardless of who she's around and to actually find people in her life that are like that too it touched me it really did no i really liked that scene too especially because i haven't actually probably seen this episode since i watched it the first time through because it's not one of those episodes i'd prefer to revisit just knowing the plot um, so I, I forgot all about this and I, yeah, I did enjoy what rewatching this as well and remembering that this is when all these great characters come in. Totally. So Seuss, the DJ announces that a party crown is going to go to the person with the most applause at the end of the night. And that is when we meet the character we referred to as Pacifica Northwest, uh, kind of your popular girl stereotype, like we said, sort of Southern California feeling, even though her name is Pacifica Northwest and, she just expects that there's not going to be a competition. She's, you know, the stereotypical homecoming queen. I'm going to win this. You may as well just give it to me now. It doesn't matter. Um, and it makes Grenda and Candy feel kind of bad. So Mabel decides she's going to make a campaign for the crown. 
and we get the best line from Mabel when she interacts with Pacifica at the very end. She Pacifica says something really rude, and she's like, nice to meet you, and is still smiling. No pause on the smile at all. She's going down. And I love Mabel so much in this episode. <laughs> uh, me too. So Wendy, outside at the ticket booth, really wants to go inside and party because it's actually an awesome event. Uh, asked Dipper to cover for her, which, you know, sucks for him. So he wants to leave too, but Stan catches him trying to switch to a closed sign while the event is just like hopping with new people trying to throw money at them. You know, that's fair. You know, you don't want your employee to just leave in the middle of that, your unpaid employee. You know what I think is silly about this though is Grunkle Stan says that he's ripping people off, but that party looks pretty lit. I would have paid to go into that party and not thinking I was getting ripped off at all. <laughs> that's a good point. Is this the most worthwhile right excursion event products that grunkle stand has ever sold 15 dollars 15 dollars for a small dj party with my closest friends like dude that's a great deal let's go 15 dollars is the exit charge what's the oh shoot that's right (laughs) okay okay maybe 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 i'm gonna rethink that a little bit that's a good point uh fair (laughs) enough so anyway this is where dipper decides he needs a way out of this So he's going to go back to the copy machine and make a clone of himself to work the ticket stand instead. I almost don't even want to talk about the rest of this plot point because it's like, guess what happens? What do you think happens? What happens anytime any character tries to clone themselves for anything ever? The clones decide that they're going to attack each other, but they make a joke about that. Like they prophesize it and just tell tell the audience straight up. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably what's going to happen, right? And, I oh, thought, no, no. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was lazy. I thought that was some of the laziest writing I ever seen in Gravity Falls. I really did. Like, I, I don't, because it didn't play as a joke. It played as like, oh, like in the movie, you know, like, like, oh, like I'm explaining to you what's going to happen. I'm like, come on. Because when, when and stuff like that happens to me, it just makes it want, makes me want it to be over already. Because I already know everything that's going to happen. So it just seems like a drag. And I just want to see Mabel dance more. well that's interesting because i still like where they go with it okay i I will give it to you predictable we probably know where we're going to get but there's other pieces of it that make it interesting that's true there's one piece that i'm excited to talk about specifically and we'll get into that yeah definitely so he makes the copy of himself the interesting thing to me about this clone mechanism as opposed to other works of fiction is that most of the time a clone like loses something in the process like the clone is a half-baked version but that's not how this is they are all like pure replicas and they all think the same way Except one who got a little messed up with the printing process. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good gag. Uh, it's <laughs> it's like a great a paper, gag, dude. Paper jam version of Dipper. Reminds um, me of Doodle Bob. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Oh, classic mm-hmm. SpongeBob. So Dipper writes a number two on the hat to make sure that he doesn't lose track. Um, and he does get inside because the clone and him in the beginning have a pretty good relationship because Dipper is a logical kid, right? So yeah, he's he thinking, is. That's oh true. yeah, that actually makes sense. And usually the more he thinks about things, he tries to outlogic what he's already done, which is a recipe for disasters when you're going to start cloning yourself. At this point, there's only one, so not as big of a deal. Um, he gets inside the party. He tells Wendy he found coverage. She says, great, you can hang out with me and Robbie. Again, I understand it's predictable. Oh, oh no. Robbie's like <laughs> the boyfriend love interest, but Dipper's interested in Wendy. Oh, what's going to happen next? I so don't care about this whole plot line. But there's such a good montage here where 
the the fictionalized version of Wendy. They're back at the same montage as I mentioned before. They're all looking super fancy. Robbie, you're a stupid, arrogant fraud, but kiss me anyway because you can play guitar of Dipper's mission. And she says, wait, I need to do something. <laughs> can I cover this one? Please. She literally runs up to Dipper and punches him in the stomach and goes, Robbie, let's get married tonight. And that was really funny because it was just, they went so extra with it. Like they, and you know, like having been somebody that definitely is a worst case fantasy scenario kind of person when I get that way, like I definitely related to that. Like, oh no, oh, yeah, this, okay. is, this is the chain. Oh yeah. Cause I, man, you don't know, I hide this, but I go to a dark place when I go to that place. I go to the deepest pals of hell when I go there. And, and it's like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I relate to this chain reaction of just worsening fantasy. Uh, well, we can talk therapy and the episode's over, but, <laughs> but we got time to get through, man. We got a, a long episode. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want me to, do you want me to unpack it? Would you like, would you like no, to talk about no, this? Okay. We're not, do, we're not doing this here. No one wants <laughs> to know about this. No one. Are you sure, man? Because our oh, I'm people... Sure. Dude, Love I don't even need to, to know hear about you talk it. about yourself. I, you know, as much as I'm sure that that's very true, I'm even less inclined. <laughs> At what level of poking and prodding can I let this joke continue? <laughs> I, uh, you know, that last one, I almost started talking about it. So you might be close. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll leave you. I'll leave you off the hook. So the clone calls Dipper and he's like, hey, buddy, it's me, you. Uh, I just had the same jealous fantasy, which is also hilarious to me. So Wendy and Robbie go sit on the couch. Oh, that's where, that's where people, you know. That's certainly what Dipper seems to be thinking. Uh, <laughs> so he gets paranoid and decides he's going to make some more clones. We have two more Dippers, number three and number four. Well, the actual number four is a monstrosity because that's the Paper Jam version. But number <laughs> oh, five yeah. becomes number four by default. Oh, yeah. The Paper Jam Dipper definitely made me laugh so hard continuously. It's one of those jokes where I'm like, is this almost like kind of offensive? And like, I don't think I, it's offensive, but it could have been. And it's impressive to me that they would have even, you know, included a could have been offensive joke. Well, I think that it's important when, they, when you go for a joke like that to really be careful about how far you go. And I think that they uh, toned it just right. Yeah, um, I would agree with you that. You know, it, it works as a gag. And I don't think that you're quest sitting there questioning if there's anything problematic about it. No, but what you do question is how this whole cloning system works. And that's another thing that I like about it. Because it's like, you know, Dipper's arm was cloned perfectly. And we know that worked. And then it crawled on its own and was put out with water. We know that when you print something out on crumpled paper, it becomes half alive and is messed up. And we find out soon how we uh, start to dispose of these things. But I suppose I'm getting ahead of myself. I guess so. Meanwhile, uh, after Dipper clones himself, we've got Pacifica. She's singing karaoke. Grenda says she used to sing like that before her voice changed. Mabel goes and rocks the karaoke. Her tone's not great, but she is winning over the crowd way more than Pacifica because she's got that Mabel personality. And the outfit. And she did, they did say 80, 80s outfit. They mentioned it at some point in a line. And then she also played, I, wait, I had, I wrote this down. It was the song, the, the song that she did. Don't start unbelieving, a double negative to avoid the copyright clearance. <laughs> that went right over my head and I'm really embarrassed. Thank you yeah. for taking the due diligence to write that down. I oh love it. Oh my gosh, yeah. The 80s rock ballad, Don't Start Unbelieving. I'm awesome. like, let's go. I loved it, dude. That was such a great scene. 
Yeah, no, that's good. Pacifica is feeling genuinely threatened, but we don't have too much time to worry about that because two of the backup dippers, number three and number four, are stealing Robbie's bike to make him lead the party, which, honestly, Dipper, that's a pretty low blow to resort to theft so that you can try to free up the person that you have a crush on with the tiniest chance of making any kind of a move. I'll, I'll bet their plan is to give it back. I give them the benefit I of the doubt. Knowing Dipper, I bet that's true. He's like, well, it's not technically unethical if I end up not actually stealing. You know, the way that he yeah. reasons through things to try to get what he wants. Yeah, like one time I stole my friend's car and drove it somewhere and left him a treasure map to go find it. Is this real? <laughs> yeah, I really did that. Lucas! It was really funny. I won't oh, get into to how that whole story played out because my friend was really upset and didn't find his car for a while. But that's all other part of the story. We are different people. If that is not abundantly clear by everything that you have heard from our content up to this point, um, I, I don't know what to tell you. We are relating to Dipper in very different ways. Quite, quite. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> um, Mabel tries getting Dipper to ask Wendy to dance, but he's so obsessed with the checklist. Uh, he consults with other versions of himself, which is honestly a literal nightmare. This made me really in like think to myself about what it would be like if I could talk to 10 different versions of Alec trying to reason through the same sort of thing. It would be a disaster because I oh. already have that internal dialogue. Like imagine actually getting to talk to versions of myself who are trying to run through every scenario. So oh, yeah. bad. No, dude, uh, uh, that, that, I, I have panic attacks with my own brain. I don't need 10 other versions of me talking to me at the same time. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> well, you're worried about the what if scenarios and I'm just worried about problem solving. I, I think that either of us, this would be really bad. And he clearly hasn't thought that part of it through, but they come up with a new, extremely elaborate plan in true Dipper fashion. And they distract Seuss with, like, one of those little laser dots that people use to have cats chase around. Which I don't think you're supposed to do to your animals, by the way. Laser? Like You're not? I don't, that's what I've heard, that, you know, they go crazy because they can't actually reach it and it's not good for them. <laughs> oh, shoot, I gotta look that up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, laser pointer, I think, is the word you're looking for. Thank you. Uh, you it's quite effective, though, because Seuss <laughs> is fixated on the dot, uh, and that gives one of the clones a chance to put the Wendy mix into the soundtrack while other dippers are collaborating with other contraptions to set up the perfect dance scenario. It's so much. It's so much. But what it does end up somehow leading to is this point where, like, Dipper runs into Wendy not on plan, where she's just hanging out in the hallway, and they just kind of end up talking. And it's kind of nice because, the you know, obviously the moral of this is, like, let organic things happen sometimes. You know, don't try to, you know, over-control a situation to where you're not able to move with a situation that might be better than whatever it is that you were planning for. You know, Dipper ends up talking to her, and then he gets in a big fight with the other Dippers after this conversation goes somewhat well. And one thing that I want to point out in that conversation is that we find out that Dipper is a nickname because he has a birthmark on his forehead that looks like the big dipper yeah and actually this is a really cool character moment it is i do consider to be important yeah there's a lot in this i i remembered how much there was in this episode and i'm like i i don't remember if we ever get dipper's real name in the canon i feel like i remember reading it somewhere at some point in my life but uh we might have to double check that and, and bring that so, information somewhere they do imply in the episode that it's a nickname but is it possible that his parents saw the big dipper as a birthmark and they're like oh well that's got to be his name could it no, also be his real name 
No, because Wendy says that's where your nickname comes from. Yeah, maybe there's no way. I thought she might have said just like, oh, so that's where your name comes from or something similar. Like, I don't know if it was like as exact, but you're no, probably it was, right. It was definitely nickname. I remember 100% because that's that was like the confirmation to me that it was different. Gotcha. Okay. And All I've right. seen theories of what his actual name is too. Alex Hirsch might have even confirmed it somewhere, but I could be wrong. So I'm going to look that up for next time. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that we'll uh, keep an eye out. So yeah, it's a nice little moment. I like that, um, or I like that Dipper is actually talking to her like a normal person, but then the clones of him, who have not been privy to the situation proper, they show up, and they're still fixated with the plan, because they haven't had the chance to have the organic yes. moment. They so, being in character for Dipper, they're like, no, you cannot deviate from this. Again, it makes sense. That is what they would do. And this is where they start to turn on each other, and the Clone Wars start. So we get the Clone Wars, we get a little fight scene that gets pretty awesome and intense, you know, there's confusion, there's punching, at one point the clones all start fighting each other, which I thought was kind of silly, because I'm like, okay, like, I get you're all gonna have an argument over who's gonna talk to Wendy and stuff, but I was like, come on guys, y'all need to take over the original Dipper, band together clones, what are you doing? That's what I would have done. Yeah, like, if that's why I'd never clone myself, because I know I'm the first person to go. The original's the first person gone, definitely, in my case. The biggest and- one. Of course, obviously, dude, you got to take out the protagonist earlier. They're going to stick around for the whole movie. Um, <laughs> anyway, what, what ends up happening is Dipper ends up setting off like the fire extinguisher or the fire sprinkler thingies from the top and the water kills all of them except for one. Now, I want to know about something ethical here, right? Because I know that th- yeah. this is a Disney show. Does Dipper have a kill count through Gravity Falls? And if so, is his kill count from this episode seven? Those are people. Those are him. In fact, he killed himself seven times. And they're, like you said, they're not deviations. They're exact replicas. You said that at the beginning of this recording. That means he's killing fully sentient, fully identical versions of himself. This is wild. Right? Great take. Great take. Okay. So I'm just saying for our YouTube channel, Dipper has a kill count is a thumbnail now, right? (laughs) Well, what I'm thinking is we should probably keep track of the kill count. I know we should. I'll bet. And you know, not there are other episodes. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there are other characters that we know that have a kill count too. Oh man. Okay. Okay. So does this mean, oh, dude, this is a lot of work. Do you think that we could get our, somebody in the discord, do you think they might be willing to Oh my God. Yo, if somebody's listening to this, I almost want to do it myself, too, because I'm fascinated. I guess we we missed the mark on some of our episodes, but... I mean, now that we're saying it, I know someone's going to go do it anyway. So if anybody goes and does it, let us know. I'm also going to go do it. How about that? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. You're going to have to revisit the episodes, and then we can maybe compare the counts, but... Yeah. Well, and, um, and my people might come up with different numbers, because there might be debates over what's considered an actual murder. Sure. For the purposes of this episode, I am going to count them. Yeah, I will, too. Uh, These definitely count. So, okay, well, and we're going to get to Dipper, a little bit more of this, Wait a minute. Too. Dipper has higher kill count than for question mark? Hmm. So, <laughs> all right, listen, we, we don't have to worry about the marketing of this right now. I'm sorry, I just can't help but think about it. I'm not even thinking about marketing. I'm just thinking, like, this is a thing. This is actual canon. This is hysterical. I can't believe nobody's noticed this before that I haven't noticed. Anyway, some people sorry. don't know who that character is, so I'm gonna. I know. Leave I'm it sorry, out. but but those of you who do know who the character is, um, yeah. you're gonna know who Lucas probably just met. Yeah. Um. Okay. Interesting. Can you hear me? There's a lot of interference today. Luckily, this is a short entry. No riddle. Just the word current. 
with the numbers 3 and 5, and an arrow that seems to indicate switching the two. Not very clear, but at least it isn't a riddle. That's all for now, but remember, I'm counting on you. Anyway, anyway, because all the clones are fighting, it gives Wendy and Robbie the chance to reconvene. Um, they grab some sodas. Wait, Lucas. Careful with your count. I think that only five died there. Because, oh, really? Yes, because three and four went off. They stole Robbie's bike and never came back. And I know for a fact that they were not in that last scene. Because really? of insights from because of insights from Journal Three that we're going to get to after we finish the recap of the episode. Oh, what you blew my mind! Okay, okay. So, sorry, right, Dipper's kill count's a little lower. I mean, it's still higher than mine, so that's pretty bad. Wait, that's that, no, that's. I, wait, wait, wait! I phrased that very poorly. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> I've not killed anybody. I promise. Thanks. Out of context quotes from Lucas. I have not killed anybody. I promise. <laughs> No. Mabel tries to make peace. Hey, look, we're moving on. Mabel tries to make pay- <laughs> Mabel tries to make peace with Pacifica, but she's still being rude to her. So uh, Mabel almost wins, but Pacifica scares people into giving her more applause in the final verdict, which pushes it to a tie. And then and Pacifica she, and, gives some money to old yeah. man McGucket, and yeah. then she wins. I, I like that because the theme is that money buys you the win, and that's true. Unfortunately so. Pacifica says a horrible thing when accepting the award from Seuss. Says, thank you, Jorge. Oh yeah, that's so bad, dude. It is encapsulating Pacifica's character like it's the type of person who would just shout a stereotype like that. Uh, like, super not okay, obviously. Also, um, it's important satire, like... It is. You know, I it, think it's cool. I, I appreciate them for not censoring yeah. that out. Not because we like seeing that sort of content. It's because it adds complexity to characters when there are people like this who will say these kinds of things out of total ignorance. So even though Mabel lost, uh, her new friends want to sleep over because they had such a nice awesome. time anyway. It's a really cute moment. Um, they're all having way more fun than Pacifica ever could, despite the fact that Mabel didn't win the contest, which is a cool little lesson. I wish that was always true. Sometimes rich people have it easy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> A lot of the time. I, I could, if I had more time in this episode, I could get into the sociology of money a little bit. I know, I almost regretted saying that. I'm like, shoot. So Dipper talks to himself. He realizes that he gets in his own way by talking talks, to himself. He, he talks to the clone version of himself, just to clarify. The one yeah, that's still was, alive, number two. Yes, the one that survived. They decide that they're just going to have sodas together. Unfortunately, because sodas kill clone Dipper, number two drinks the soda and dissolves. Dude, and that, top 10 most so, tragic anime deaths. Question, that doesn't count on the Dipper kill count, right? I just want to clarify also, I know that Gravity Falls is an anime. It's not an anime, okay? Don't, weebs, don't attack me for that. Sorry, say that again? That that happened to somebody. Somebody got attacked for that, so I just wanted to cover that oh, base. Just for making a joke? Oh, goodness. Well, so yeah, does this count on the Dipper kill count? Because technically Dipper gave the soda and Did the he? clone drank it. I That's incidental so. manslaughter. That's incidental manslaughter. You gave him poison, something that kills him. That That's incidental manslaughter. If I gave you something that killed you, do you think that I would just get past it in court? No. But no, you probably I wouldn't get as I much would. jail time. Well, but the question isn't whether or not it's first degree murder. The question is whether or not they killed somebody. Okay, we gotta check the tapes and make sure that the soda was actually given to the clone. 
That's um, true. Yes, yes. Did the clone? Well, the clone doesn't have any money, or did they? Did they clone the money? They cloned the plan. I remember the plan being folded out in both of them. So maybe it does clone money. Wait a minute, dude. Wait, wait, wait. Grunkle Stan would have never in a million years. <laughs> okay, okay. Good point. Good point. Let this copy machine sit there without cloning money if it was a real possibility. So I think we can safely say it does not. Unless he um, didn't know. Unless he didn't know. Yeah, well, as the clone is dying and giving his final words, it just tells Dipper to stop being weird around Wendy for his sake. And this actually is kind of an impactful moment because I think Dipper to some degree will continue to be weird in future episodes. There's but a I, shift I think though. It, yeah, this is a turning point. It, he does realize, okay, I need to stop doing this. And thank goodness for every viewer involved. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it was a good way to end it. And I did like the... Uh the 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 tone of like actually having somebody die giving him a message i i was kind of impressed that they went there too um and i also want to say at the end when uh dipper goes back to the house we do get a little moment when you just hear like with the voices fading out mabel say uh dipper come meet my new girlfriends and i love that that's a great way to top that off too right before the uh, end credit scene yeah i also like the post credit scene with seuss experimenting with his keyboard because yeah. Y- you hear he's pressing notes and different sound effects happen. And there's just one little, yeah, yeah. I, I can't even do it. <laughs> the little I, John thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Side And I also thought that, that last scene was funny because the very last note he hits is Thunder, which was the song, the note that he couldn't hit from the very beginning of the episode when he first played a song. So it's like closure okay. of Seuss's whole plot, which didn't matter, but I liked it. Yeah. Good little talks. Um, I think that after recapping the episode, you're about where you started on the episode, and I think I'm about where I started. Um, I think I came to terms with how cringy some of the stuff was, but I don't really care. I really liked a lot of the things that we got as a result of the cringe, so I'm okay with it. I still thought, I mean, like, I still like Gravity Falls, but this still has to be an episode. I still probably wouldn't want to rewatch this one as much as I was like, oh, all these great things happen. Still just because it's like, there's so many other better episodes to watch. Unless I'm watching it all the way through, then I'll enjoy it again. But if I'm cherry picking episodes, this one probably isn't one I'd revisit. Uh, Fair enough. Well, there's still a lot of discussion to be had here. So who gets your character of the episode points? I'm sorry that I have not found an official name for the award yet. Uh, We will get there. You know it's Mabel. You know it's Mabel, dude. Come on. Mabel's outfit is a 10 out of 10 in this one. The way she deals with Pacific is a 10 out of 10. We get introduced to uh, her friends, which I love too, because she brings them into the the story. And I love that. Um, The way that she, the, the, literally just how she says, like, she's going down to Pacifica. I'm just like, let's go, Mabel. Um, And then, yo, I gave the next point to homie DJ. Seuss? Seuss. Come on, yeah, dude. He was a great DJ. He provided sweet licks for the night and i actually thought that he had some pretty funny moments and what 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 sweet licks i know that i'm getting older and i'm not keeping up with all the terminology that is savory licks how long has this been around and gosh alec is it okay Uh, god i don't like that no 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 the savory licks savory licks I shouldn't have brought it up. I could have just gotten through it. <laughs> um, I had to say it four more times. That Seuss. No, but for real, I actually was like, Seuss was great. I, I, I genuinely enjoyed Seuss as the DJ. Um, and I mean, I, don't, I can't really think. I almost gave it to Grunkle Stan for his outfit too, because his outfit was so on point, but he wasn't really that involved in anything. So I thought Seuss was good. Okay. Uh, two points for Mabel for me. Same reasons. Easy. Mabel was awesome. Easy. 
She was really confident. She was there for everybody who needed her. And she owned the stage. What do you, what yeah. else do you have? Yeah. Um, one point, though, for me, it's going to go to Dipper. Because as cringy as he is, I related to the obsessive organization. Fair. And he was kind of the star of the episode. True. So, you know, we had so many of him. I when you We have ten different Dippers. One of them's got to get a point. That's what I think. <laughs> I split his point into tenths, and that means he statistically doesn't get any. Ah, clever. Okay. <laughs> um, let's get some insights from Journal 3. And this is going to be one where I read it straight up, because I think every bit of this is important. Greetings. This is Tracy, a.k.a. Dipper number 3, officially taking over authorship of the journal. Dipper number 4, a.k.a. Quattro, and I were given the task of distracting Robbie by stealing his bike. After leaving it in the woods, we returned to the party just in time to witness Dipper Classic betray our clone brethren. We watched in horror as he melted them with a sprinkler. Why would he do such a thing? I would never do such a thing. So how could he? He is me. Or is he... He we? Anyway, you get the point. Quattro and I are hiding in the bedroom closet waiting for DC's return. When the party ends and Dipper Classic falls asleep, we will put Plan C into action. We will take over his life and start dating Wendy. He will live in the closet. I've got it all worked out. It's what he would do if he was us, which he is. And there's a clone schedule where each of them get to date Wendy at different time. Well, not explicitly date Wendy, but um, just a general schedule. Oh, no, it does say date with Wendy. Just kidding. That's really cringy. Come on, Dipper Team 4. All right, then we got just reviewed the plan with Quattro, and he isn't happy with how I split up the days. He thinks it's unfair that I get Saturday and he gets Sunday. I explained to him that it all balances out fairness-wise because I'm the one who took the time to make up this chart and figure all of this out. I mean, what has he done? Sit in the corner coloring and eating cheese crackers? That's what. Boy, I really get on my nerves sometimes. Hey, is someone coming? Why did I write that? Oh, no. And then we've got Original Dipper. Original Dipper here. I came back from the party and heard myself arguing with myself in the closet. I opened the door to find three and four inside. I was so happy to see those guys. I'd forgotten all about them. They took one look at the pit cola in my hand, however, and freaked out and said, You'll never get us! And ran out of the room and into the woods before I had a chance to explain. Kind of worried about those dudes. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. On the bright side, guess who just danced with Wendy? Well, we know that he didn't kill the last two. We know that. We know that they are somewhere else. Which They're probably gonna... dead. Um, I would tease that there's a strong chance we're going to see them again. And Is that and... like a knowing? Um, do I not know something? Maybe. Um, Ooh. Ooh. It's hard to say. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, and also important insight. Dipper actually danced with Wendy at the end of the night, which is important plot-wise. Is it though? I mean, I guess the fact that it doesn't make the show makes it less important, but... Uh, it is extra context. It means that in so. the end, you know, he did have the courage to be confident and not weird. And I think that goes somewhere. So we, we um, didn't see how that dance went. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, no, the fact that these extra clones are around is a really cool little touch. You know, no, that it is adds cool. I like that. That's a good one. It's a good chapter. To the lore. And the fact that they see Dipper as a murderer because they watched him kill all of the other ones like we were yeah. talking about. Yeah. One with a soda. That, that is confirmation that he did kill them with the soda because they were afraid of it. That's it. Well, no, because it could be mistaken manslaughter. Oh, of course. That's what they all say. It's always mistaken manslaughter. All right, let's open Journal 4. Let's talk about something to... What in the world are you throwing at me for this one? I really don't know what to expect. I had a couple ideas. Um, I almost went with a cryptid that... 
could maybe potentially be cloned. Mm, so like we could a do Mothman. that. No, no, no. Uh, we could do that, or we could go with the idea of cloning humans and whether we think that that will ever happen. Oh, well, cloning humans is already a thing. It's already a thing that can happen, technically, but there's a ton of ethical boundaries that would have to be crossed. And it's also, like, it's dangerous. There's a lot of reasons that it wouldn't actually probably happen. Doesn't I mean, mean that d- no crazy person is going to try. People have been cloned. There are cloned human beings already. That exists. No, 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 no. That's... Because I, I did the research of this going into the episode, just in case we had to do the conversation about it. It depends on how you're defining cloning. Maybe. Um, the thing is, cloning, from my understanding, works in some way cloning the embryos, not just, like, straight up putting somebody in a yeah, transportation that's what I'm, I'm machine. Talking, yeah, that's out. what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, like cloning cells. Well, that happens a lot with animals. We've been able to do that as a society at this point, for several years. Um, but yeah, I don't believe that an actual human embryo has been cloned for lots of reasons. I'd have to double check. I know lots of animals have. Yes, that is for sure true. But the moral of the story is this isn't a good cryptid because this is just science. So, Good point. Let's talk about the thylacine. Uh, <laughs> the thylacine is also known as the Tasmanian tiger. And it is a cryptid in the sense that this is an extinct animal from Australia that many people have claimed to see in the wild since its extinction. And the idea Mm -hmm. is that with the proper DNA, there's a possibility that maybe it could be cloned and brought back in some capacity. It has been attempted, but most recently, the DNA was too degraded to where they were not able to make it happen. Yeah. So I've seen some mammoths in this too. And like, yeah. uh, Yeah. And like cavemen frozen in ice and they're trying stuff with that. So I want to get two ratings here. One, the possibility that there are still thylacine that have not completely died out. They went extinct in about 1930. I didn't fact check the year, but I believe it's around that time period. I think it's likely that if there are any that are still alive, they're probably in highly illegal black market trading and they're probably like privately owned, I would assume, but they probably might exist. Do you think it's that possible that those could have escaped, like, the scientific and, you know, societalized? Why, you're giving me a face like there's no doubt. Dude, who has an easier time keeping stuff? The scientific community or rich people? Hmm. Come on. I like your general logic. I like your general logic, but it's just kind of a wild concept to me. Dude, the scientific community doesn't even exist without rich people. (laughs) I Sure. Uh, But in general... It's, it feels wild to think, oh, this thing could maybe exist under certain conditions. I'd assume it'd be uh, privately collected. I really would. I'd assume it'd probably be privately collected. You think that is more likely than it being out in the wild somewhere and just, like, there's a small community. Yeah, definitely. The, I mean, the last one that they knew about died in a zoo in the, in right, the early 1900s, true. and that was way before animal ethics laws were in place. So, like, yeah. Okay. Um, I actually consider the thylacine in general to be one of the likelier cryptids to still be around because it is an animal that existed. We know this for sure. And yeah. animals that have been thought to be cryptids, such as the okapi and the coelacanth, have yeah. been found. The coelacanth, after being presumed extinct. So, on that alone, even I'm not necessarily saying I buy into your black market idea, but the chance <laughs> of something still being around, I'm going to give it a solid nine, actually. Uh, again, grading I'd... on a curve. I'll agree with that. I think there's a solid nine. But again, I think for a different reason. But yeah, I'd say the thylacine could still be around somewhere. Solid. Okay. Um, 
And then what about the idea that it could maybe be cloned? Do you think that scientists do a point where there 10. might be enough DNA? I well, oh, okay, okay. I don't know about their them finding enough DNA. I don't know about that. That's just a question mark for my number, right? But I mean, if that's all they need, yeah, sure, why not, right? Hmm. I mean, if they're if they're talking about cloning mammoths, from I mean, ice. I guess if I'm gonna give the idea of it surviving all this time without being found a nine, I can't give it anything other than a ten. That maybe. Uh, yeah. A cloning process could happen. Still grading on a curve of, you know, this is one of the likelier things that I can imagine happening. Like, I can see a world where the thylacine is once again part of, you know, the animal ecosystem. Uh, I, but I think that we're probably years away from that being a reality if it's going to be through the cloning route. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I couldn't I'm, say. I'm talking, I'm talking very much out of my ass here because i don't yeah. know all of the science behind cloning and all it you know i oh, just yeah, no, we know we know nothing about this yeah yeah basic off the street oh yeah. what if, if you guys the loch ness monster is real you know we're applying that same type of like mindless logic to this like yeah, i if, recognize this is more scientific than some of our other stuff if you guys didn't notice we're a cartoon review show and not physicists unfortunately so yeah. <laughs> be careful repeating anything that we say ever to anyone for any context yes. whatsoever <laughs> I would never minimize our uh, academic experiences, but I, I social would. science, social science, just don't forget. Wow. that That is the definition <laughs> of minimizing, my friend. Listen, we're good at a lot of things, <coughs> but we're not biologists. So no. I'm just going to call call that what it is. Yep. Uh, well, this was a fun discussion, man. The cipher for the week. At the end of the episode, we get a little encrypted message. It says... Paper Jam Dipper says, blah, 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 blah. That's it. Is that really what it says? Yeah, that's it. It's just oh like a bunch God. of like strings of letters. That's so bad. Paper Jam Dipper is, you know, kind of like Doodlebop. This podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, which has many other rewatches of shows and movies on the Brazilian Dragon feed and the Dragon Babies feed, where you can find this podcast, as well as a Phineas and Ferb rewatch, which people are into. I think there's even some Pretty Little Liars coverage. There's a huge variety of shows over there, so check them out. Um, you can find more of Lucas and I by watching Hester Brothers Cartoon Theater on YouTube, and follow us on social media by clicking the links in the description, which is also where you can find our Discord. You can talk about whatever messages may or may not be hidden throughout this show, and just have a good time talking about Gravity Falls in general. Yeah, leave your five-star reviews. I haven't been able to check to see if there are any yet. I'll still read them if they show up. Thanks to our artist, Tessa Scarborough, and the voice of the mysterious woman, Anna LaFleur. We will see you all next week. Happy sleuthing. Later, aliens. <laughs>